Welcome to the Folktale Project. This is Dan Shulls. And today we have the seventh and final part of the Yellow Dwarf. That's correct. We're going to start the week off with an ending. I do hope that you aren't expecting too much wonder and magic to happen at the end. As I told you at the beginning, this is a sad tale. So today we have the prince and he will be reunited with his princess. This is The Yellow Dwarf, Part 7. We must now go back to the Fairy of the Desert. When she found that the king did not return, she hastened out to look for him and reached the shore with a hundred of the ladies of her train loaded with splendid presents for him. Some carried baskets full of diamonds, others golden cups of wonderful workmanship, and amber, coral, and pearls, others again balanced upon their heads bales of the richest and most beautiful stuffs, while the rest brought fruit and flowers and even birds. But what was the horror of the fairy who followed this gay troop? When she saw stretched upon the stands the image of the king which the mermaid had made with the seaweeds, Struck with astonishment and sorrow, she uttered a terrible cry and threw herself down beside the pretended king, weeping and howling and calling upon her eleven sisters, who were also fairies, and who came to her assistance. But they were all taken in by the image of the king, for clever as they were, the mermaid was still cleverer, and all they could do was to help the fairy of the desert to make a wonderful monument over what they thought was the grave of the king of the gold mines. But while they were collecting jasper and porphyry, agate and marble, gold and bronze, statues and devices to immortalize the king's memory, he was thanking the good mermaid and begging her still to help him, which she graciously promised to do as she disappeared, and then he set out for the castle of steel. He walked fast, looking anxiously around him and longing once more to see his darling Bellissima, but he had not gone far before he was surrounded by four terrible sphinxes who would very soon have torn him to pieces with their sharp talons if it had not been for the mermaid's diamond sword. For no sooner had he flashed it before their eyes than down they fell at his feet quite helpless, and he killed them with one blow. But he had hardly turned to continue his search when he met six dragons covered with scales that were harder than iron. Frightful as this encounter was, the king's courage was unshaken, and by the aid of his wonderful sword he cut them in pieces one after the other. Now he hoped his difficulties were over. But at the next turning he was met by one which he did not know how to overcome. Four and twenty pretty and graceful nymphs advanced towards him, holding garlands of flowers with which they barred the way. Where are you going, prince? they said. It is our duty to guard this place, and if we let you pass, great misfortunes will happen to you and to us. We beg you not to insist upon going on. Do you want to kill four and twenty girls who have never displeased you in any way? The king did not know what to do or to say. It went against all his ideas as a knight to do anything a lady begged him not to do, but, as he hesitated, a voice in his ears said, Strike, strike and do not spare, or your princess is lost forever. So 
Without reply to the nymphs, he rushed forward instantly, breaking their garlands and scattering them in all directions. And then he went on, without further hindrance, to the little wood where he had seen Bellissima. She was seated by the brook, looking pale and weary when he reached her, and he would have thrown himself down at her feet, but she drew herself away from him with as much indignation as if he had been the yellow dwarf. Oh, princess, he cried, do not be angry with me. Let me explain everything. I am not faithless or to blame for what has happened. I am a miserable wretch who has displeased you without being able to help himself. Ha-ha, cried Bellissima. Did I not see you flying through the air with the loveliest being imaginable? Was that against your will? Indeed it was, princess, he answered. The wicked fairy of the desert, not content with chaining me to a rock, carried me off in her chariot to the other end of the earth, where I should even now be a captive but for the unexpected help of a friendly mermaid who brought me here to rescue you, my princess, from the unworthy hands that hold you. Do not refuse the aid of your most faithful lover. So saying, he threw himself at her feet and held her by her robe. But alas, in doing so he let fall the magic sword, and the yellow dwarf, who was crouching behind a lettuce, no sooner saw it than he sprang out and seized it, well knowing its wonderful power. The princess gave a cry of terror on seeing the dwarf, but this only irritated the little monster. Muttering a few magical words, he summoned two giants who bound the king with great chains of iron. Now, said the dwarf, I am master of my rival's fate, but I will give him his life and permission to depart unharmed if you, princess, will consent to marry me. Let me die a thousand times, rather cried the unhappy king. Alas, cried the princess, must you die? Could anything be more terrible? You should marry that little wretch would be far more terrible, answered the king. At least, continued she, let us die together. Let me have the satisfaction of dying for you, my princess, said he. Oh, no, no, she cried, turning to the dwarf. Rather than that, I will do as you wish. Cruel princess, said the king. Would you make my life horrible to me by marrying another before my eyes? Not so, replied the yellow dwarf. You are a rival of whom I am too much afraid. You shall not see our marriage. So saying, in spite of Bellissima's tears and cries, he stabbed the king to the heart with the diamond sword. The poor princess, seeing her lover lying dead at her feet, could no longer live without him. She sank down by him and died of a broken heart. So ended these unfortunate lovers, whom not even the mermaid could help, because all the magic power had been lost with the diamond sword. As to the wicked dwarf, he preferred to see the princess dead rather than married to the king of the gold mines, and the fairy of the desert, when she heard of the king's adventures, pulled down the grand monument which she had built, and was so angry at the trick that had been played that she hated him as much as she had loved him before. The kind mermaid, grieved at the sad fate of the lovers, caused them to be changed into two tall palm trees, which stand always side by side, whispering together of their faithful love, and caressing one another with their interlacing branches. And that is the story of the Yellow Dwarf, the end of the tale, and like I said, it's sad. It's unnecessarily sad. And, well, at least finally it's over. 
This is Dan Scholes for the Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere you'd like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Folktale Project. You can find us on Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, anywhere you'd like to listen. And you can always head over to folktaleproject.com where you'll find a new story waiting for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. As always, thank you so much for listening.